Gentlemen, start your engine! Good afternoon, radio. For those who don't know, Radio Hotler. Thanks for coming and making time. It's on everybody's mind. For those who don't know, there's a big shebang. Sorry about that. Sorry about the little, uh, um, um, technical goodies. Radio Hotler. Oh, cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers. To Radio Hotlap, episode 158. That light-hearted and zany podcast that takes a look at the world of motor racing, cool emerging technologies, gadgets and barbecues. And boy, have we got a show for you tonight. A cast of thousands, or, or, or less than ten perhaps. Mark Fogarty, live from Melbourne, returning from his Indianapolis 500 jaunt of free lunches and booze. JB. You can talk. Hey, <laughs> yeah, Mr. Freeloader, you've what hardly you? been home. <laughs> what do you reckon, folks? Straight away over-modulating. Hardy and, you and Hardy are competing for the frequent flyer miles, that's all I know. Indeed. He's had two trips back-to-back. I'm just about to have a second back-to-back. Yeah, look, then you're doing all right. We'll have to stop. He's trying to run the show again. You know, back from the US and then off to Europe. You're getting a word in, and I haven't even introduced my regular co-host, a trustee at that, JP. (laughs) Hello, Johnny. Hello, folks. Hello. I don't have two folks. (laughs) Yeah, hi, JP. Let's get on with it. Come on. No, I've missed you two guys so much. Well, we've it's missed you two, folks. What are you drinking, folks? Hang on, stand away from the microphone. You are over-modulating. Just turn it down a tad. Step away from the microphone. Step away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tony, Cochran, okay. t- Tony Cochran would say, step a long way away. Perhaps a year in Antarctica will cure your little barbarous tones. Now, I'm away. <laughs> He couldn't get further. All right, he's got the stage. What are we having to drink? Fogwar. Fogwar, what are you drinking? What's your twelve ninety nine special? It's my current favourite. It's a Kiri Hill Cabernet Sauvignon, two thousand and eight. A lovely drop from the Clare Valley, no less. Yes, from the Clare Valley, indeed, JP. Yeah. Well spotted, but very good value and delightful. Extremely swiggable, good, and it helps exercises like these go so much easier. Well, the next time you're over, if we ever break down and come up to my joint for a barbie, I've got some nice old Kiri Hills laying down, Capsavs and Shirazes, and there's even a Lang Iron Creek Shiraz that won a gold medal. I look forward to that, JP. No worries. And what are you swigging there, Hardy? <laughs> swigging. No less, not sipping. <laughs> so, such insolence. What is it? <laughs> He's on fire tonight. <laughs> He's got a bit of Bernie Eccleston looking in him. <laughs> I don't know about that. Can you go? It's around the corner, JP. I can't see, can't see. it. It's a killer canoe. Another Clare Valley. The old killer canoe. Yes. Uh, not too bad. What, what, what did you think of you know, the glass before? Yeah, that's nice. Very 2008. 2008, so a uh, bit of bottle age, I think it'd be very nice. $20 what? Wouldn't be buying anything around the $13, mate. <laughs> I 
So, Marty, Hi, let's now. tell the viewers what we've been doing. It's a sort of a, a show and tell without the show. I think, folks, it's only fair that you go first. Tell us about indie folks. Tell us about your international, you go one way and I go the other, or rather I actually end up going your way, but not quite as far as you. No, but for a brief time we did end up on the same continent. We we did. On different sides at the same time. So, the question, the Indy 500, it's the so-called or the self-styled greatest spectacle in racing and it remains so. It's just a great event. I love going there every year, and this year it was a, another fascinating event. The the crowds are back again; they're getting bigger than ever. Certainly over two hundred and fifty thousand on race day, and uh, a great victory by Dario Franchitti. But it was a terrible time for the Aussies. Ryan Briscoe really blotted his copybook by crashing out when uh, he was the last hope for Team Penske after Will Power and also Elio Castroneves struck trouble. So. It was pretty grubby and there was that huge monster crash on the last lap by Mike Conway. How he walked away, well, actually hobbled away because he broke his leg, but how he survived that accident was amazing. I mean, a tribute just to sheer luck, but also the greatly improved uh, safety that's been built into IndyCar racing over the last several years, you know, first and foremost, the safer barriers, but um, it was a great event. Really was. When the crashes like that with Mike Conway on the last lap happen, it's hard to believe that the debris doesn't actually penetrate through the second fence into the crowd. You know, you've had a close look at it. Oh, indeed. It's um, but they've got those big, um, you know, extended barriers above the wall. They're steel cables, basically. Um, they're pretty strong. Um, Conway, in fact, was very lucky that his car went in sort of bottom side down and ripped across the fence rather than, you know, if it had gone in cockpit side, well, it would have been just like a cheese grater, I'm afraid. So there was a small element of luck there, but the prime purpose of those big, um, I don't know really what you call them apart from barriers, but those steel cable fences is to keep debris out of the crowd. And uh, more often than not, they work. So, um, you know, it was a, a disaster averted, as has happened so many times at, at Indy. But of course, I must say that the really big race of the weekend, even bigger than the 94th running of the Indianapolis 500, was the renewal of the rivalry between Fogues and his karting nemesis, Mike Brudenov, the auto racing writer of the Detroit Free Press. We went at it again hard, as we always do. And it was an epic battle. Unfortunately, this time, Brudenov, who's an expat Aussie, who uh, is based over in Detroit these days. Um, he bested me this time, but uh, I'm glad to say we had a rematch at an indoor cart in Detroit a few days later, and yes! <laughs> you started on the Kerry Hill early today. Anybody would think you won, folks. He, he's on the Kerry Hill early. He I but just like the 4.15 when there was... Marty, why is it that every time I'm voluble, you immediately assume... <laughs> There's been an intake of alcohol. I'm on the ink. I'm just a naturally infusive foe. <laughs> well, then, uh, then I, I think that all we can say to that, folks, which is, uh, and I, I offer my uh, total uh, apologies or whatever they, I should be saying, that uh, infrequent um, appearances on this show obviously makes you more alive.
I'm I was excited. I've been looking forward to this. I've missed you guys. Oh, oh, we missed you. Russ, where's the, the sausage? Where's the sausage? The Wigton Repartee. Yes. Come thrust and carry. The verbal jousting. No, that's all right. The verbal jousting. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is good to have you back too, and you're, you're an extremely knowledgeable fellow, and, uh, and your writing is most eloquent. But um, mate, tell us a little bit more about what's going on over there. You know, just a, a little bit behind the scenes as well. People read, you know, the story in auto action. Um, Dario Franchitti uh, has not won this uh, uh, just this time, once before. Uh, he's, I noticed the, the shot of him sucking the milk down with Ashley Judd there in the front. She's no uh, no stranger to wanting to be on it on, on the screen. A screen siren. <laughs> well, it's about the only time she gets on screen these days because, um, as far as I can tell, she hasn't uh, done a movie or anything um, major for a while. Maybe she's in uh, semi-retirement. But, yeah, no, Dario's a great bloke. I'm lucky enough. I've known him since back in his DTM days in the mid-'90s. And... Um, a really good fellow and um, hell of an open wheel race car driver. He, uh, he won the 500, of course, that rain shortened one back in 2007. And uh, also he won the uh, IndyCar title that year and then promptly went off to chase his NASCAR team, dreams with Chip Ganassi, having left the uh, Andretti team. But that went badly and it was aborted halfway through, um, you know, sponsorship problems, but also, you know, it really wasn't Dario. So. He came back to IndyCar Racing last year with Chip Ganassi Racing and, um, you know, he's been uh, back where he belongs and uh, this win was, uh, well, he led, what, 155 of 250 laps, you know, there was just uh, never any doubt that he was the main man to beat despite the fact that everyone was uh, very high on Elio Castroneves who uh, was on pole position, starting on pole position and going for his fourth victory and uh, winning the Indy 500 at the famous Brickyard four times, that's pretty much put you in the category of uh, IndyCar immortality. But it was not to be. Now you ask me what else is going on, well, there's always something going on in the States, isn't there, in racing or otherwise, but the big talking point in uh, IndyCar racing at the moment is the, uh, well, their version of the car of the future. They're looking at uh, a new chassis and engine combination from 2012 onwards. And boy, there've been some pretty good, pretty radical proposals. I'm sure you've seen some. Yeah, we've um, seen some of the car. Various car, um, racing car manufacturers the, like Delara. The Delta Wing, was that correct? We, we looked at the Delta Wing a month or so ago. Yeah, I was getting to that. Would you not? <laughs> the way you said, I'm sure you've seen them, so I thought that was a question. I didn't realize it was a, like a be quiet. It was rhetorical. Yes, so, we have yes. a capital R. Now, the Delta Wing is by far the most As radical. As in radio <laughs> The Delta Wing is by far the most radical proposal. Um, I think it's brilliant. Um, it does look like a land speed record car of the 60s, but it's just so different, so striking. If nothing else, it's um, sparked a lot of discussion, and I don't think any racing car in the last, what, 20 years at least has had so much coverage around the world whether it will actually get up as the proposal, this needle-nosed, you know, really narrow front-track car that looks like it should be speeding across the salt lakes at about, you know, 1,000 miles an hour, not around India at 230. Well, that would be a big call, but I think what it's going to do is basically it's pushed the discussion right to the forefront and the Indy Racing League um, 
by you to either have a special committee looking into this, they're going to come up with a recommendation for the next generation Indy cars and one way or another it'll be radical, it'll be different, the cars will look a hell of a lot better, they'll be more streamlined, they'll be more futuristic and as you guys know it's something I've been banging on for a long, banging on about for a long while that modern day racing cars, open wheelers just do not, do not look like 21st century racing cars, you know basically most of them are ugly so there's some hope that something radical will come out of this, but whether it will be as radical as the Delta Wing, I'd love to say yes, but I doubt it. Yeah. But do you think? What do you think of the Delta Wing concept, by the way? I think it's well. I mean, if it, if it goes as good as it looks, I think it'd be awesome. It, it, yeah. It, it, to me, look, I think it's it's it reminds me of a, of a like a Space Invader game or something like that. It just it's hard to it's hard to, to, to come to grips with the fact that the track of the front is so different to the rear that it's actually going to work. Yeah, it is weird. It's uh, visually confronting and it's hard to get your head around. And, you know, even the designer Ben Bowlby, who in fact I had a long discussion with earlier today about the whole concept and where it's going. You know, he admits that it. You know, yes. It is hard to get your head around, but it's fundamental to the whole concept, and I just won't go into the technical explanation of why it works in that format because my head was about to explode when he was explaining it to me. But basically, having those you know narrow front tyres close together um, just makes the car steer and grip at the front end better. That's as simply as I can put it. Um, so you know if it. If, as I say, it pushes the IRL into, you know, a next generation of cars that look really, you know, whizzo and takes the Indianapolis 500 more to the point back to the spirit of what really made it famous and interesting was, you know, um, all the radical and different designs that you used to see in the 50s and especially the 60s, you know, anything from turbine power cars, you know, diesel power in the 50s even, would you believe that, Um, winning pole positions and... All sorts of you know weird and wonderful cars that used to run at Indianapolis. Most of them are complete flops, but just that whole expectation of innovation was you know a really exciting thing about the 500. And they're, they're, they're trying to get that back. It'll be much more controlled. You know, we won't be seeing steam-powered or electric-powered cars whizzing around the place. I don't expect, but you know, something a lot racier looking, a lot more modern, and a lot more fuel efficient. You managed to catch up with uh, Helio Castroneves uh, for a chat um, post-race. Um, did you bring up the IRS question? <laughs> His tax problem last year, of which he was completely exonerated. Um, no, well, that's it's an old story. It's a dramatic part of the Helio Castroneves story. But you but didn't ask it, him how, how... I mean, the reason I ask you that is because... Racing drivers need to have clear heads and, you know, and, and, and have everyone feeling like they're sort of loving them. But to some extent, I can only imagine that that, that would have just done his head in. And, and, I mean, it's a really, it's a great story, really, that, you know, he, from the outside looking in, it could have been, that's the end of him. But, oh, yeah, no, it was a great story, and um, he showed great strength of character to go through the court case and come out of it and go back after missing a couple of races last year and immediately being, you know, competitive and was a contender last year and, you know, in fact, won his third Indy 500. Um, that's all past him now and he's still very competitive. 
you know, anyone who drives for Team Penske is competitive, and, and Elio is still one of the great characters of not only IndyCar racing, but, you know, motorsport worldwide. He's um, so famous in the United States, um, you know, not just as a, a flamboyant racing driver who, um, you know, is known as Spider-Man because he climbs the fences when he wins, but also because he won Dancing with the Stars in the USA, and that, that really put him on the map more than being the Indy 500 champion. He's sort of a... You know, a super version of James Courtney back Well, he here. would have been the perfect teammate, wouldn't he, for James Courtney at the at this is this indie shortened race? And I think you you are you were alluding to the fact that like he was uh, he was uh, you know the On fish the that got away. Oh yeah, he's so upset, so upset that he didn't get an invite. Is that right? He can't believe it. He just can't believe it. He's, you know, he was, and, and after he's come down here, he's going. That's just a Fucking that supercar! How boring is that? Is that? <laughs> uh, he really wanted to come out. He loved Service Paradise back in the you know car. Indy well, why car doesn't days. he come? Someone will get food poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, he was really um, you know in his pleasant way. But you know he was really pissed, and he was having a go at Ryan Briscoe and Will Power. You know. You know, joking, but saying, you know, hey, why didn't you guys in two Aussies? You know, you can't help me get a V8 drive. You know, I really wanted to do that, but so they said, well, it's okay, Elio. Well, we'll put your name down for next year. So did you help me get? Did you help me get an Indy drive, Elio? <laughs> did you help me get an Indy drive, Elio? <laughs> that wasn't no, a retort. Funnily enough, he 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 said to me, oh, you, you know, you can help me. You tell them. <laughs> Of course, I said yes, I'll apply. Yeah, I think the, I think could, there's possibly the, the Stratco entry needs as co-driver. <laughs> <laughs> oh. No, he, he, he'll be good, so hopefully we can get him out here next year. Though, you know, as I wrote recently, Auto Action, it was amazing how much interest there is in this Gold Coast 600 and the international co-drivers. There's so many IndyCar people, you know, even kind of sort of Danica, you know, Upper Salt Patrick express some sort of interest but everyone else are really enthused and the ones that are coming out you know frank kitty scott dixon um still to be fully confirmed but should be coming out um tagliani couldn't shut him up about it. gosh that was the biggest <laughs> mistake of my life having an interview with him about service paradise yeah, but, he, but he's but he married miss she, he's a thief Bronte, his wife is an aussie yeah, <laughs> yeah. with a name like Bronte, she from adelaide i believe Bronte, i thought she would have been from sydney yeah, no. Uh, but he just banged on about forever. Banged and, uh, on. He banged on. Jeez, he's got up. He got Miss World I bet, I bet from Brody and coming. banged on about it. Quite. <laughs> I see that uh, the puerile standards haven't been lifted. One I had have they? Of course not. Hey, hey. Can you move back? Can you stand back from the microphone, please? Sorry. With your shitty Ducati shirt. Oh, he hasn't got that Ducati shirt on again, has he? This. I love this top. Oh, it's that, it's top. the warm weather one, isn't it? Well, it, was, it must it was, be a bit nippy over It wasn't there, given no. to you anyone by anyone short, was it? No, I bought it. Just those special powers on me. This. Jack, this the passion. Oh. Stop leaning forward or turn your uh, turn your you know the little. Kachingage down. Kachingage. Uh, you know, it's interesting that uh, Dario Franchitti uh, 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 won that, that race, and as I said, it's not the first time. On the other side of the globe, 
a very close relative, Moreno. Franklin. Was over there. Listen, he's not a sheepish character. He was uh, there with uh, Highcroft. Paul Ryan being doing the PR for with um, with uh, David Brabham yep. uh, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, the third place driver, which I can't even remember who it is, uh, with uh, Simon, Simon Pagenaud. Pagenaud was at Le Mans. He wasn't racing with them at Le Mans. He, I know he wasn't. He was with Peugeot. Well, or rather, he wasn't racing at Le Mans. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember who the third driver was, Werner. but uh, Werner Klemperer, alias Colonel Klink, <laughs> Dirk Werner Klemperer. Yeah. It was unfortunate uh, that, um, that, that, well, wait, uh, lots of teams fell on their face over there. But um, uh, Marino, uh, is Marino, Marino is uh, Dario's brother or cousin? Yeah, younger brother. Well, it Very close mate of James Courtney. Is that right? Uh-huh. Really good mate. Right. I mean, both Dario and Marino are, but Marino um, raced against James back in Formula Four days in the <coughs> very late 90s in the UK, and they've been mates ever since. Look, there's no he point to get out here as well. There's no point getting your hair up about that, Marino. <laughs> Another woolly joke from Hart. Uh, well, he'll he'll be at home out here, won't he? The, the home of the Marino shoot. That's right. What? I think we should do a U-turn, but shouldn't we? He's bald, <laughs> though, isn't he? He's, yeah, you he's put your hoof in it again. He's of the yeah. shaved head variety. He's been shorn too much. Yeah, he'll have to go to New Zealand, of course, his spiritual home. <laughs> okay, bad jokes again. Yeah. So we're on to Le Mans now. Is that your idea of a segue, Harvey? No, I just thought that, uh, you know, that uh, it folks, it's, we've got folks on the show and yeah. we'll move on to Tech Time later and we'll so, be in the flick. Oh, I thought I had you on my show. So, folks, you were watching Lemons, as you uh, sent back to me, uh, in in the background whilst working, or were you actually sitting and really watching it? Um, No, on and off. On and off. Yeah, it was on on all day. It went just forever, didn't it? And when you're not involved, like Hardy and I were last year, it's, um, it's a pretty long old thing. But no, the coverage on... 1HD was um, extensive, um, could have done without the constant prattling American commentary from speed, but well, it actually, is what it is. Actually, I'd have to, um, to disagree with you. I got up in time to watch it um, in San Francisco uh, as I was over there doing some some some, some other business unrelated to motorsport. And uh, there was the, the start, um, Calvin Fish and the American uh, Speed TV team were there, only to be joined later by uh, uh, by um, uh, Calvin Fish. And, and incidentally, uh, people that were there at uh, International Paulie's wedding, yeah, uh, the director from Highcroft. So it was all very tongue-in-cheek comment, I suppose. Once you know the people, you know, and you, there's all a bit of slagging going on, but still pretty good coverage. Scott Pruitt was there as well. Um, it was it was quite startling um, before they shut off to go off to NASCAR. I think we got about three and a half the first three and a half hours. How uh, how heavy the how strong the pace was. Um, Nigel Mansell oh, going yeah. out the first uh, to retire after I think only four laps 
with uh, looked like a tire had gone down or something yep. coming into the corner prior to No Name uh, at Indianapolis. Um, I, having not been there, I, I can't really put it into uh, into context. Uh, but folks, I would only imagine, and JP, that uh, and I'd like to hear from JP because you're an English guy. There would have been a huge amount of carry on there. He would have been the the, the Mansell group with Beechdean ice cream behind them um, uh, having elected to not run at the, the second round of Le Mans series at Spa to concentrate on this, maybe in, in hindsight for perhaps uh, financial reasons, um, that's a really big letdown and I can only imagine that, 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 that the whole Mansell clan would be really sort of, they'd be in damage control oh, mentally, so. mentally, wouldn't they? I mean, yeah, this is the first time the three, uh, the three of the family, rather, Nigel, and uh, Leo and Greg, have, have driven together. JP, your thoughts? Yeah, well, the, uh, the Poms were, I would suggest the Poms would have been fairly well devastated, particularly that he went out so early and they hadn't even really given it a shake yet, so to speak. Um, and yes, they were, they were very, very... Um, I suppose the whole car was, was, you know, there was a great Union Jack across the back. Um, so, you know, they were definitely pushing the, the, the pommy bandwagon, so to speak. So uh, I would have thought that uh, there would have been quite a few upset poms, but, uh, you know, that's racing. It just happens. So, but it, it's yeah. very, it is unfortunate. Uh, it was like, 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 When you think about it, carry on. like all that planning that's gone on for such a long time, and I feel very sad for the fact that here's a father with his two sons. I mean, that, that, that's just a gem of a concept. Mm. Well, you know, forget about what their result is, but just to do it together. They would be, they'd be shattered. That'd be, that'd be very, very tough. Folks, your thoughts? Well, I was surprised and somewhat disappointed that they didn't have a, an in-car camera with audio because uh, I'm almost certain that Nigel would have been in there going, oh, oh, I'm unconscious, I'm unconscious. <laughs> As he famously did once when he had an IndyCar crash. You're saying he's uh, a bitch and moaner. He is a bit of a moaner, yeah, but... Uh, no, it was, it's, a further. It's, a, it's a strange um, arrangement though, isn't it? He's bought into Janetta and they're, sort of, they're reviving the company both on the road car side and I guess, you know, running in, in uh, you know, endurance sports cars. Um, as you said, you know, it's a, having both he, uh, having him and both of his sons in the car. Oh, um, now, sorry. Would have, been a, would have been a good exercise, but I mean, I don't know, it would have been interesting to see, JP, whether, you know, the, the, the Barmy Army, as it were, yep. um, was out in force there, you know, and really cheering on Nigel, or whether, um, you know, being in a class car, he was just, you know, one of the pack, but, um, mm. you know, it's, you know, Nigel has got a big heart, you can, you know, say what you like about Mansell, he's always had a big heart, you know, the fierce racer, so had he gone further, he would have got, you know, well stuck in, I would imagine, even... Uh, well, how old is he now? He's probably even older than me. Well, that's... I mean, and that was probably the big disappointment was that they didn't go on and, and you never saw him really racing hard or whatever. And he put so... I mean, apart from the effort of putting the team and the car together and getting there, apparently, personally, he lost something like, I don't know, 25 pounds or whatever. He's been working out and jogging and doing all sorts of other stuff to get in shape. So to go to all that effort and then just have it all fall apart so quickly it would have been a big shame there's no doubt about it I think it's a very yeah it's, it's very unfortunate and I, and I really you know I feel for them for uh, th- that doesn't matter you know whether they're uh, you know ex 
he's a f- ex-famous Formula One driver. Just for you know, for three three family members to be able to put a program together to race at such a, a significant race like that, that that that's 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 really tragic. I mean, equally as tragic, I suppose, uh, um, folks, is is the demise of, on the same lap of. Uh, of Jaguar's return to racing, which uh, mm. they have with their uh, their GT2 RSR um, in the American Le Mans series, and it hasn't uh, appeared to be uh, particularly good. Or on XR XKRS, I'm not quite sure. Yeah. Uh, whatever they call it, um, uh, the drivers uh, Ryan uh, Dolzey or Mark Goosens and uh, uh, Paul uh, Paul. Uh, Gentilosi. Yeah. yeah. Look, uh, all, all handy steers, but just four laps and a burnt-out wiring loom. I mean, what's going on there? Yeah. Uh, it was little, little tested and uh, hugely optimistic. And I, my impression is that you know Jaguar are only just tolerating the project, and it goes back to their ties with Gentilosi. Who owns Jaguar? The dominate Trans Am. Who um, owns Jaguar? You know, in its final years in a, in a, some sort of Jaguar. Tata. Who owns Jaguar? Tata. What? The Indian. Take your hand away from your mouth. The Indians. Tata. It's Tata, isn't it? Wish you'd go Tata. Isn't it called Tata? Oh, yeah. Jaguar Cars is owned by Tata, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, John wasn't... Hardy John, not the other one. Um, wasn't Lamont quite weird in that it was just, you know, almost 24 hours of rolling catastrophes. You know, the Peugeot assault just collapsed, the defence just yeah. well, know, like, withered away. I can only... snuck through. You know, the Stracker team, you know, beat Highcroft, you know, because, yeah. you know, they just had... The Corvettes fought in trouble. Um, and... You know, so many favourites, you know, just fell by the wayside for one reason or another. I thought it was just extraordinary. And, um, you know, as I said, Audi, you know, clever strategy, but they basically sort of just snuck through the, you know, the the, the, the debris and the remains. And um, even someone like, you know, Alan Simonson, um, you know, got through to second in the GT2 class and, uh, you know, it wasn't on pace, was it? It was just on a really good, strong performance. They just kept going round and round and round. That's right. still a great folks, result, uh, folks, you know, uh, we'll, we'll get to a couple of those points here. Uh, Alan Simonson teaming up with Lee Keane and Dominic Farnbarker from uh, minus uh, Marco Seafried, uh, which were uh, had come second at the 24-hour of Nürburgring a month prior. What they did is they kept under the radar, they didn't do anything radical, they, they didn't push the car to a point. They went, we're going to work on consistency of what we know and others are going to go harder, certainly like Reese and, and others. Mm-hmm. You always knew they were going to do that. I mean, the classic case of Reese, you know, okay, the gurney flap was two mils shorter under to qualifying and, you know, Jimmy Bruni and... and uh, and um, uh, uh, um, uh, Pierre Kaffer, oh, yeah, uh, you know, right. and um, oh, who else was in it? Disappeared down the back, started from the rear of the group. And like the, the, the Speed TV guys, oh, they're, they're last, they're 50, they're, they're, you know, they're 48th on the next lap. I mean, look, hello, okay, you know, that, 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 that's fine. But um, 
Well, well they did a good job. I wasn't. Um, no, I know. I know you were. But I, 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 what you know, I, what they what just I, kept it going, and they got them. You know, okay. almost. What, what I'm saying, what I'm trying to say from that is that th this is an event that is very much based on fuel and rubber. You can do one lap more, which I think the Audis seem to be able to do for the Peugeots and some of the GT2 cars to do to the others, and you have tyre consistency. If you can minimise drop-off, you go, hey, look, if our tyres aren't that great, that's fine, but we'll run a strategy on that on that tyre compound based on the lack of drop-off. Then at least they know they can just keep out of trouble and do this stuff. Uh, and I think that that's where the Farnbarker uh, uh, hand-cooked car came into its own on both of these events. Um, I would have liked to have been there, but um, the, clearly they, they improved construction and they've been working heavily on construction since... Uh, Nürburgring, they're not working so much on compound. That construction, I don't think they picked up a single puncture. Which no. a lot of other teams did. I mean, like, you only got to look at... Very, very astute observation, Hardy, yes, I concur. I mean, Hardy, uh, uh, International Pauli and... The, and um, well, you only... You, you, have, Highcroft, a, you have a fuck The Highcroft up. team had like three, three punches in the first half of the race. Which cost them time every time. I mean, okay, they were out with an engine issue at the end anyway, but nevertheless. It might not have been an exciting run, but they didn't have a problem. Mm. And, and it all just underlines why it's such a great race, isn't it? Yeah. You can never take anything for right. granted. Yeah. But uh, really, uh, Audi in their, in their wildest uh, minds would never have been able to believe that they well, would they be, could have got they'd top probably get maybe a podium. But yeah. to get one to three, and for all four, including the Orica yep. car, um, the Matmut Orica car with, you know, Panis as the lead, to fall over, I mean, with tragic, like they look fragile. And yeah. I think you can sum it up by a pit stop. You go, what's easier? A guy sticking his head down, licking brake pedals with his legs in the air? Or an Audi open cockpit car with someone calmly handing them a water bottle. Yeah. I Actually, mean, I saw one of the Audi drivers at one stage. It was fantastic. He screamed into the pits, pulled out his water bottle, hurled it. That's right. He did it. Too. And yeah. one of, and one of the pit crew guys just calmly snatches it out of the air. It was yeah. excellent. Well, it's wonderful. <laughs> it was good. I don't. Do you, Do you think that they would reuse that? That bottle because it might have scraped the ground and had a little bit of a scrape mark in it. Would it? Would it? You know, would it be okay to reuse that or would that? No, we have to have a fresh bottle because you know it's got pristine. No, that one was alright. It was a clean catch. It never touched the ground. Yeah. Yeah, but it was a good result, one. I thought, in the end, in the one sense one. that I think it pretty much guarantees that Peugeot will have to come back next year. You know, for revenge to regain their Le Mans crown, and Audi will be compelled to come back and defend their title. So, you know, the battle will continue and I think with the new rules we may have some, you know, other new contenders so it should be very exciting next year and I think that's the one that we should go back to, John. Absolutely, uh, mate. We, look, we've, uh, we've, we've seen the end of GT1 but we've heard that, heard that before. There's probably more GT1 to come, folks. <laughs> mm. I think it's still, uh, still going to be, be going on there. Let, let's just have a look at the uh, focus on the, on the petrol engines. Aston Martin did very well. 
Yep, six out. Six out. Right. Did they? What do you think? No. Sorry, if I missed something here. They were less impressive, to say the least, than they were last year. Well, or... okay. So, what do we what do we get out of it? Stracker well, racing. Petrol engines in the current formula, which yeah. is to change, just can't. No, 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 excuse, no, 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 uh, sorry, uh, the, hello, four LMP1 diesels failed, the Peugeot Works teams, they failed, Aston Martin still got up, I mean the biggest upset, I would say that the biggest upset of the race, that the of all, would have to be Stracker Racing with the mm. HPD to come in yeah. for fifth place, that, mm. that would have to be the star drive of the entire event. With Aston Martin coming in behind, I mean, okay, they might have had the pace, but at the end of the day, they they all blew early, didn't they? Yeah, but I'm and the girls were happy. Pace, they can't compete. True, they can't. No, I mean, no, no, you're right. No, they, no. they were thir- they were thirty laps short of the of the winners. But so I'm sorry, that's a fair. I'm sorry. Fair I think that that's a, that's an un, un, unrealistic call. What's this about? It's endurance racing, not about sprint racing. Do you know what endurance racing means? You've got to be there at 23 hours and 59 minutes. It doesn't matter. You, if you fall over at 58 minutes, then you're fucking nothing. Mm. This is not. It is about endurance racing. You can build the greatest thing. It can make it all the way to Mars, but it fails coming on into orbit. Well, where are we? Yeah, but in more ordinary races, pace counts. As well as reliability. Uh, mate, you're that arguing like this is endurance racing. Yes, yeah, I think Aston Martin did a very, very good job there. Although they did appear to be more fragile as well. Yeah, because they, yeah, they were stressed more. But hopefully, the new engine rigs next year will redress that and make it a little more balanced. Um, if only to encourage a manufacturer like Aston Martin to continue competing, because as we heard. Last year, the sound of those Aston Martin, um, yeah, sensational closed top prototypes was just sensational. You know, whereas the I still maintain the diesels are just whispering death. <laughs> whispering. We heard them beautifully, did we not? From sitting in the old town on Saturday evening, having one of those steaks that we were asked how we'd like them cooked, but didn't really make any difference about how they cooked them. <laughs> uh, the case of story. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I said never, never forget that. Oh, yeah. So anyway, that don't you overlook the mile that was. Sit back from your Kerry Hill. Get too excited again. Lean back from the Kerry Hill. He's got Kerry. He gets excited, doesn't he? JP, you've got some stuff for us. All right. Are we going to go to Formula One now? Yes. Are we going to talk about what about the Red Bull Air Race? Red Bull Air Race. Well, there you go. That'd be interesting. Let's shape it. Let's shape it. Come on. Stop, Canada. Stop, 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 did you sit up and watch Canada Fights or did you watch it the next day and watch the replay? Canada Fights. Yeah, you know, I sat up. I sat up and watched it too. And so up went those two Union Jacks. And um, yeah, interesting uh, interesting strategies. That's what I thought. Swap seat. Oh, Put me in there. Take the power seat. Come on, Jake. Oh, for God's sake. Look, oh, here we are in the middle of a show, and he's just bloody 
you know, changing deck chairs on the Titanic, folks. What are you supposed to oh, do? Oh, folks, dogs as well. He's got the dogs as well. Oh, dogs. Hello. Yeah. Just so you know, viewers, we've got Lovely. folks Lovely. on Skype, so folks can see the dogs. F O S. So, All right, JP, you're in the hot seat. Let's so go. I just thought it was. Stop uh, over modulating. Good. A very good race from a strategic point of view. Good to watch in terms of, you know, whether they were going to go for the option tyres or whether they were going to go for the uh, for the regular tyres and uh, and just the whole way that it panned out. I just thought it was it was just a really really good race. And Canada's a great circuit as well. I, I do like Canada. Lots of sort of fast bits, but then those couple of hairpins. And and uh, the result to me was probably the way it should have been. Red Bull sort of looked like they were going to go hard, but uh, the strategy was screwed. I don't know what you think, folks, but uh, I think they lost it more on strategy than they did on speed. Um, yeah, it was a masterstroke by McLaren because the conventional wisdom before the start was that they were going to compromise themselves by, you know, starting on the softer of the two compound tyres and that uh, and Red Bull were being clever by starting on the harder tyres, you know, only being marginally slower and that... Um, and they'd have the grip at the end. They'd have to stop early and the red balls would get on top. It just didn't happen that way. Um, the McLarens were, you know, in control pretty much all the way. Weber did well to recover from being relegated from second on the grid to seventh because of uh, got a five-place yeah, rebuild if it yeah. changed the gearbox overnight. And, yeah. You know, but uh, the best he could do really was drag himself up to fifth in the end. And, um, you know, Lewis Hamilton was... You know, his masterful best. He was. Jensen Button was canny. Um, and Alonso, well, he had real pace and gave it a big go, but he got compromised by the traffic. So, no, it was a fascinating result. It's a, it is a great track. It's, uh, you know, everyone in Formula One, as far as I can tell, was, you know, extremely pleased to be back there. The, the crowds flocked back to the track. Over 100,000 saw it on the uh, Il Gilgilno. Yeah, um, which is a man-made island in the middle of the St Lawrence Seaway. That was um, done for the. It's a great track. Was that not uh, originally created for the Expo in nineteen sixty or seventy something? I believe. Uh, elements of it, and of then also it. that was used um, in the uh, Montreal uh, Olympics, mm -hmm. and that body of water you always see behind the paddock that was actually used in the Olympic rowing contest that year. Uh huh. So, um, yeah, no, it's a great place, a great city, it really comes alive, you know, I used to love going there. Um, it was a really good feeling, and, you know, Montreal, because, you know, it's French, Canadian, very much a European feel and European sensibility, so they, they get Formula One, which, you yeah. know, the rest of the, you know, the rest of North America doesn't, but um, the Quebecois certainly understand what it's all about. Now, I thought that Nico Rosberg did very well to get himself up to sixth. Um, and it, it's certainly uh, he's certainly showing up uh, Schumacher this year without a doubt. And uh, and what did you think of uh, Schumacher's two controversial "you're not going to overtake me" um, moves? Uh, it's the only bit of the old Michael that we saw all race, really, wasn't it? Just, yeah, it was. You know, being belligerent. <laughs> Very belligerent. Was, wasn't going to give up, and he was lucky to get away with that incident with um, who did he move twice on? Liuzzi, was it? Or uh, somebody sure. can't remember. It's one of the four Indians. He's lucky to get away with that, but it was it was yeah. classic Michael. 
in the sense that he just defended very aggressively, but mm. the rest of it is a pretty sorry uh, event for him. You know, it was. just raise more questions about what he's doing and making his comeback. But mm. you know, having said that as well, McLaren, uh, Mercedes just don't have winning pace at the moment. You know, Rosberg yeah, doing yeah. as good a job as he can, yep. um, but they're not looking like race winners whatsoever. So um, remarkable transformation from you know. Braun that could do no wrong last year to being taken over by Mercedes and suddenly they're well, yeah they're, you know, well, they're, they're floundering average. they're the, the number four mm. team at best I guess yeah I mean they just seem to be floundering I don't know what Mercedes money obviously hasn't done them any good they've just lost their way I think so uh, that was interesting but I thought Force India was a good good result ninth and tenth um, they seem to be getting stronger all the time. I don't know whether they can keep it rolling long enough to become a genuine threat next year, but uh, it'll be uh, good to see it, I think. Fogs, uh, towards, towards the end of last year, um, uh, do you think that the, the development pace of the Braun product uh, uh, went away and they just simply had enough up their sleeve to be able to win it? Um, and then that just hasn't carried on? Yeah, pretty much. They had the big advantage at the beginning of last year, so the first half at least of the double diffuser yep. and their ability to um, make the most of the aerodynamic advantage that that imparted because they weren't the only ones that had a double diffuser. Um, Williams and Toyota also started the season with it, but, uh, but they just didn't apply it as well. So, yeah, they were lucky that, in a sense, uh, although not with, given all the turmoil and trauma they went through, but, you know, they were able to make hay while the sun shone and button raced away to... What do you win first? The first six of seven, or something like that, anyway, and could just hang on to the end. And um, yeah, everyone else has developed for this season, and um, you know they're well, relatively struggling. You know, I mean, they're, they're not a disaster, but you know they're just not. Um, well, they're showing any signs of being able to consistently well get the note. They've got nowhere near having a look, you know, at the podium so far, much much less a win. So. And I've, they've got a lot of work to do. I wouldn't think that either McLaren or Red Bull would be thinking them thinking of yeah. them as a genuine competitor at this point in time. No, the fight's clearly between now. It's you know, it's a fight is on well and truly between both McLarens, both Red Bulls. Um, Alonso is you know is just consistently there if the car allows him. You know, he's still the most complete driver in the field. Um, and the and the the one nibbling at their heels, the, the dark horse contender is uh, Robert Kubica in the Renault, which uh, is astounding what he's been able to do with that car. It certainly is. So, you know, it's um, after the worst start that you could possibly imagine to a Formula One season in that snooze fest in Bahrain, <laughs> the championship has definitely come alive. And, you know, and the best thing, obviously, for us is that Mark Webber. You know, he's not stumbling into wins. He's not lucky into them. He's a genuine world championship contender, and you know, he'll continue to be. He'll he'll be fighting for this title right through the end. I'm sure. You know, oh, he's um, you know, he's not one of the all-time greats, but boy, as I've always said, give him a good car, yes, and he'll win races with it, and he'll contend. So he's making the most of it. Um, someone that I felt that is uh, is going to do. Good in the years ahead, you know. You, you sort of you hear about them when they, when they come into the sport and they get a name, but I don't know. I, I, I sort of my, my, my foot's my foot's been itching, and um, 
I, I, I think in the back of my mind that uh, we're going to see some very, very stunning results from the young Russian Vitaly Petrov. He's doing all right, isn't he? He yes. really is. He's, um, yeah, he's not in Kubica's class, but... It's his first um, year. For a newcomer, he's, doing, he's putting in a solid performance and um, it's good for the sport to have a Russian driver in there. Um, but uh, he's been a real surprise package. Um, I, I I'm just, quite impressed with him. I can't yeah, put I'm my finger on it. He's not making mistakes. I can't put my finger on it, folks. It's just, there's just something about it. I mean, I've been watching this game for... Too many years. Yeah, too many years. Yeah, yeah. And, and and predictions come true in the back of your mind. I just go, I, I, this guy, I reckon he's, you know, he, he doesn't, he doesn't, it's not like he's on the ballet team. He just, he just seems to get it right. And no, he's not. As a he's not a dumb, but he's no Nelson PK Jr., that's for sure. Mm. Well, what's that supposed to mean? <laughs> You'd like to qualify those rude statements prior to the Singapore Grand Prix? I think they speak for themselves well. Well, I don't know. They're very churlish, I think. Churlish? Ooh. The Sabres are out. He was never much chop, let's put it that way. And that's not to say he wasn't a good racing driver. He just wasn't, you know, top class. And he always seemed out of his depth and just didn't have the completeness to cope with the political... And the minefield, the Machiavellian atmosphere of Renault under Flavio Briatore, and um, you know, for his troubles, you know, after you know, turning whistleblower, he's been sort of shunned from European racing pretty much. And his lot now is that he's uh, doing truck racing in the United States in NASCAR. <laughs> well, growing up, uh, Nelson Piquet Senior was was definitely my my hero. I I I I don't know why I like him. I can't put my finger on it. And he I was just, a character, so, um, I'll give you but, that, but a very divisive person. You would have more uh, understanding of that device. than I can. I, I, I certainly, you were much closer to it uh, than I was, and you were, yeah, covering Formula One at, at, uh, there, at the closest yeah. level with him around, so I, and obviously it spoken to him many times. I, perhaps um, it's a, just a bit of a hand-me-down there that... Um, you know, it's a, a, a bit of bad blood going on there. And poor old Machino well, has, uh, has been sort of slammed with it. Well, you know, in many ways, Nelson Jr. is not his father. And that's, in many ways, also a, a good thing. You know, I think the truth is he's a handy racing driver. In better circumstances, he might have made his mark in Formula One, but that's never going to happen. So he's now trying to make his way in the United States and, you know, over there, and I know that firsthand because um, he was gearing up for a truck race at Michigan International Speedway just before I was leaving. And, um, you know, what happened over there is, you know, uh, what happened with the Singapore Grand Prix scandal and all that is uh, very much, a, you know, a minor blip. You know, they just see it as a, a well, <laughs> a lot of people in NASCAR racing don't even know who Nelson is. So he's just, you know, a Brazilian racing driver trying to make his way. So his anonymity there is actually working in his favour. But uh, um, no, getting back to what you said though, um, having a Russian young bloke there who actually seems to know what he's doing, um, it bodes well for the sport in bringing, you know, different 
countries into the race, hopefully it'll help drag a Russian Grand Prix to the yeah, that'd be one good. day, which Absolutely. would be one of Bernie Eccleston's, you know, long-held desires. Oh. Folks, you're off to Europe tomorrow to um, uh, a little bit of a little bit of a social social, but uh, you, you you'll be going to your regular um, summer or summer summer you're going to win summer win house or winter escape for British Grand Prix. Hopefully, there's better traffic control this year. Yes, um, I'm actually having a holiday largely, although. I'll be doing a lot of um, work writing a book or writing some of a book while I'm there. But uh, do tell like, what like all the best authors, you know. Do tell about the book. Do tell about the book. In England and then in Southwest France. What's the right, fucking so. book? <laughs> What's the fucking book? Is it about horses? <coughs> How's the book going, folks? Without giving anything away. Um, Are you allowed to talk about the possible? No, I can. Yeah, it's a book I'm doing with Craig Lowndes. Oh, so there you about go. About horses? No, about. Um, it's not his autobiography. It's just a book about him and V8 supercar racing, and you know, a, a, an insight into V8 supercar racing through Craig's eyes. But it's very much a contemporary tale. It's not his life story. That won't be done until he retires, whenever that might be. So I've been slaving away. That um, hard. Um, on research at the moment, short on actual writing, so we've got to get uh, geared up and get going on it. So uh, that's what I'll be doing um, down in the southwest of France for a couple of weeks, and eventually make my way back to the UK. And yes, I will take in the uh, the British Grand Prix, which is always a favourite. There's been a lot of changes at Silverstone, and yeah, traffic management is much better than you might remember at uh, Hardy. So it's actually not such a bind anymore, but. It'll be a very interesting stage of the championship. Um, you know, we've got Valencia coming up, and then uh, so we'll see how Weber goes there. Red Bull dominated at Silverstone last year, so we'll see um, if they can still continue that momentum. And um, and interestingly, whether uh, Weber is still going to have um, supremacy over Vettel, which is possibly the most surprising thing of the season so far. Now, you going to Wimbledon, folks? Being a tennis waller and all? I'd love to, JP, but um, that's long in the past for me, so I'll just be an interested spectator. But, um, you know, it's all going Gotham City, isn't it, while I'm away, but the World Cup continuing. Um, the US Open is just about to fire up in yep. golf, and then shortly afterwards, Wimbledon and the World Cup and the British Grand Prix will be the British Open golf. So... You know, you could wallow in sport over there. The uh, you know the peak of summer in the UK it really is a uh, a uh, sports fans' delight. So I'll be I'll be paying attention, but um, I won't be going to Wimbledon itself. I'm afraid. Oh, never mind. Would be good though. Never mind. Um. Okay. One day. One day. Well, I'll go back. Well, looks like you've been enjoying a bit of summer, uh, hiding from winter. Well, from winter. Unseasonably warm in Indianapolis and in Detroit. Ah, well, and it was quite uh, pleasant in uh, San Francisco, I understand, Johnny. And uh, you've just been over there for the uh, Apple Worldwide Developers Conference. Well, look, I thought that since Fogs has gone off for a bit of warmth, you know, and I've just come back from you know, like Spa and Nürburgring. Which were freezing at the time. Which were freezing, even though it was meant to be friggin' summer. 
<laughs> so I went like, hang on, I've got to go somewhere else in the Northern Hemisphere and enjoy myself somewhere. So uh, yeah, I went home for about uh, 10 days in San Francisco. I uh, had an invitation there from Apple to go and uh, enjoy the launch of iPhone 4 um, at uh, Moscone West, um, which was actually very interesting. Um, Steve Jobs, you know, got up and carried on like a chip. Uh, as he does. As he does it, yes, that's right. And in fact, it was quite funny because uh, he had to, uh, for those who have seen the, 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 uh, the, the keynote on, on apple.com, you, you'll probably have a bit of a, a, bit of a clue. But, but um, he, he, he bitched and moaned because he couldn't get the iPhone 4 to pull content off Wi-Fi that, um, uh, within, the, uh, within the place there. Uh, so he said, everybody stop, like shut down all your Wi-Fi connections and I've got time to stop. Anyway, I thought finally the demonstration was went, went well. And again, you can go and go to apple.com uh, and front page there, you'll see, watch the keynote and you can see it all for yourself. But the very next day, someone had actually gone along and uh, set up a Wi-Fi network, which had, uh, the name of the Wi-Fi network was Fix the Wi-Fi, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> so he thought this is really cool so suddenly I saw lots of computers like where their, their identity sort of like you know Mark Fogarty's MacBook or you know JP's iPad you know like it, would be, it was they were all like messages like <laughs> we don't like OpenGL open, open ES 2.0 as much as you think make the APIs more public stop hassling Adobe server you know, it was it was they were everyone was broadcasting a message in the way that they could have and it, 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 it was very interesting uh, I came away inspired um, and, 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 and uh, yeah you want to see him folks his hair's a total mess all those propellers over there for 10 days I'm getting a haircut tomorrow really what what color is it this week <laughs> you get paid out on Love you. <laughs> love you. Come over here and suck it then. <laughs> if you love it so much, come over here and give it a go. Uh, you know, you might learn something <laughs> with your mouth shut. So, Hardy Wisdom, iPhone 4. Something to which we should look forward? Look, it's, I, I think, you know, like there's enough being set around the press uh, ev everywhere uh, and, and everyone, can make the, everyone can make their own mind up. Um, having been involved with, uh, with, with Apple technology for, you know, way over 20 years now, um, it, it, it appears to be a very, very cool, uh, cool solution. Look, Apple wants you to... Apple is a different company. Uh, well, from a developer's perspective, it's 11 years since I've been to a developer's conference and I did a lot of them in the 90s. They, they're, a they're a different kettle of fish, uh, Mark. Um, there's nothing. There is no paper of any paperwork of any kind. They don't have a third-party expo. They're not pre they're prepared to provide marketing uh, information. They're very, very secretive. It's the dogs. The dogs on the keyboard. <laughs> the dogs is leaning on the keyboard. The dogs on the keyboard. <laughs> the noise was. Um, it's They're also very arrogant, aren't they, John? Yeah. I, I definitely um, the, the the lead the lead uh, presenter in charge of the iAds framework was was extremely arrogant. Uh, off arrogant 
perhaps massively offhand. It, it, it just, uh, you could hear it. Um, but the, the strangest thing, now rewinding a sec, look, the, the product is really good, um, I think, and the fact that with uh, moving to um, the, the, the new operating system, as it's now been dubbed iOS 4, and that makes sense because, you know, it's, a, it's an operating system that's going to run across the platform of uh, uh, iPad, iPhone, and iPod Touch. Uh, those for, certainly for those who have the latest genera- generation iPod touches, which have the new, uh, uh, you know, uh, or more suitable chipset. Obviously, with the with some of the, the the features of iOS 4, they need the new A4 chip that is present in the iPad and now in the new iPhone to be able to run those those features. Some of the background processing. To me, one of the most interesting features is the ability for uh, applications to launch. Oh, once you've uh, approved them, to for the application to launch based on your geographic uh, uh, capability. So let, let's just assume that you downloaded downloaded the, the the Burger King application. You know, all it did was tell you about what's going on in Burger King. But if you happen to walk past a Bur- Burger King that perhaps was participating in the program, we would assume that all Burger Kings would um, about what's going on. Well, it, would, it could actually launch you, the application within your phone subtly and, 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 and alert you to it. So it's, it's, a, it's a push application launch as opposed to you, know, you having to go and invoke that. A lot of- could be, could be said to be insidious. Yeah, could be. Y- yes, but, uh, but you, 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 are, you are giving that choice. But, I'd like you to, to. I'd like everyone to try and think of moving to uh, away from the iPhone itself. I think this is a good call that uh, that uh, that uh, Apple has decided to call it iOS because the, as the iOS is across a platform which is not only phone. I mean, here we have a form factor of ten, effectively ten inches, uh, one thousand and twenty-four by seven sixty-eight pixels. We have a device that can be in the hands of children, effectively an A4 sheet of paper. They can play with some things and we can build some really great products that are extremely gesture driven, which have no connection to the cellular network or necessarily Wi-Fi for that matter. But but Wi-Fi is probably prevalent because they're in their home. I'm looking forward to it. We're working on some stuff in a new company machinery. Um, and, and we're now looking at it, having come away from that um, that uh, that week, that we don't need to be producing products specifically just for the iPhone itself, physical object. That uh, I think there's there's some, some great opportunities to do things in the iPod iPad platform that will stay within the house because you're going to look a bit silly going up the road with a. A four sheet of paper and go up against your head that can't make a phone call. <laughs> Although I have to say that they have enabled very, very, and Apple, I'm really pleased that Apple has agreed with Skype to provide um, uh, uh, audio access over the iPad uh, through Skype three G. Um, typically, they would have blocked that sort of stuff. It, it's not really infringing. Um, it uses a new micro sim uh, that, that is exactly the same in the, in the uh, iPhone 4. 
the, the, the chip uh, is relatively, uh, uh, it costs very, very little. It appears initially that Telstra is being responsible, there's no contract, you can do a recharge. You know, 20 bucks for one, for one, one uh, uh, gigabyte. That's cool because people can go and go, like they can't, because it's an, a recharge, they can't get themselves into in trouble. trouble. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's, a, that's a quite a responsible move, JP. It is. And that's one of the things that was always, you know, aimed at the iPhone when it first came out was how, you know, how it was so data hungry and how people went crazy and got themselves into trouble. So I think that, that that's a very, very good feature. There's no doubt about it. Well, iPad's generally a lot more open. Isn't it? It's not locked to any carrier. Um, no, it, no, it's not. Uh, locked, it's not locked to any carrier. Uh, however, a a larger uh, uh, hi-fi group uh, that John Bow has got no connection to uh, has also got themselves in, in got themselves into all sorts of problems this week uh, because um, they've uh, had multiple calls to the uh, consumer body yep. or whatever they yep. are I about say agent or whatever. What is saying that? Okay, Rust. Wait a that that. Um, that uh, that uh, JB Hi-Fi have been basically saying, look, you can't buy this product from us unless we sell accessories. Apple's told us, and hello, it's locked to Telstra. So we wonder where that's going from. So there's there's definitely been some um, some cowboy marketing going on there. Skullduggery. Really, really nasty stuff. That 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 that's bad. I'm, and I'm gonna. I'm going, to, I'm going to go and take a trip down to a JB Hi-Fi store uh, in the next week and, and, and just get a bit of a, an idea about what's going on. I'm going to look for the, the sleaziest bloke and see if I go, mate, you know, can I get this all this out? Come on. And, <laughs> and see if they come out, and I'm going to record it. As Hardy would do so well. It's all very unsavory. I can tell you from personal experience that at the moment, you cannot buy an iPad for love nor money retail in Melbourne. Well, oh, well, like, you know, it, it, like, you can't hear either, folks. No, 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 no. no. Anyway. To, to be fair, if you have, like, you know, just, you know, the, the touch, the touch that I have seemed to have had, folks, I can walk into any store and get an iPad. So I well, don't know what the may. problem is going. No one else can. It's your aggressive <laughs> approach. You either have to go into stores and sign up. Yeah. Um, you know, and get an email alert, which... I've read on some forums, you know, can happen within an hour of you signing up at the shop and suddenly they say, come back, we've got your iPhone. There's something not right. Um, or, you know, they seem to be pushing you to online and they say seven to 10 days, but yeah. you know, good luck. Um, I just wish I'd actually bought one in the United States when I was there. I was sitting there, standing there holding one in a Apple store in Detroit. Well, Troy, actually, suburban Detroit, and could have bought one on the spot. But I was advised, no, 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 wait till you get back to Australia. And ultimately, that may be good advice. But Well, by the time you get back from overseas, I don't think we'll have an issue. But at the moment, certainly, we've got issues. We, we can't get enough of them. Um, you know, we're, mm. we're holding orders just like everybody else on wait lists. And we're just basically but, saying to people, well, we'll put you on the wait list, but if you find it somewhere else and you can get hold of it, we won't, you know... We won't penalise you or whatever. We're not going to take a deposit because we don't know when we're going to get them. So it would be virtually immoral of us to take a deposit on that basis. Um, but it's very hit and miss, though, isn't it, JP? It is. It's very hit and miss, and it's it's very annoying. It's frustrating. You know, like I got a 
a good client who needed one because she and her family are going on holidays um, at the beginning of uh, July and she pre-ordered one and I gave her the same spiel, if you find one somewhere, get it. And she said she was just walking through Myers and a guy was unpacking boxes that obviously just got a shipment in and she managed to score one. But, you know, we, we've, we've had some and then we've had none and then we've had a few more and now we've got nothing again. So, there you go. Yeah, it's a, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. It really does. Um, and, you know, Apple, sometimes it's really hard work. I mean, this may be a cautionary tale, but, you know, I finally, you know, weakened before I went away and I paid Telstra to unlock my iPhone, which was galling to say the least, because I think I've mentioned in the past. Yes, you know, I, I bought the iPhone out, iPhone outright. Yep. Never had to pay in my life to have a. Hang on. Phone no, 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 no. Let, let's, so, let, let, let's cancel that sentence, and, and uh, we'll just finish after. Never had to pay. Yeah. In my life. In my life. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he's drinking. Toilet carry uh, finally found the mysteriously and deeply hidden iPhone unlocking team within the bowels of Telstra and was given instructions of you know how to unlock the phone, which was basically take the Telstra SIM out, resync the phone, um, disconnect from iTunes, put the new SIM in, resync, hunky dory. Right. It only worked while I was away temporarily. Every time I changed SIM card, you know, back and forth, it yeah. relocked itself. Oh, great. Anyway, long story short, got on the phone, again, dug through the layers, found the, you know, hidden underground bunker of Telstra unlocking team <laughs> and uh, explained the, the problem and, you know, mm, that shouldn't be the way. Um, uh, anyway, to their credit, the operator I spoke to got onto Apple and got an Apple support, iPhone support person on the phone and we had a bit of a banter and anyway, the upshot was that you actually had to restore your iPhone for the unlock that Wrong. you paid for to be permanent and I've subsequently done that and it works but wow, Just how laborious is that? Now, JP, you might be able to confirm this that you know I now understand that these days, you can actually buy an iPhone outright, unlocked. Only from the Apple Store, folks. Online. But, but you can from somewhere. Yes, from, you can. Yeah, yeah. From, from the, the Apple, Apple Store, store online. online. That's the only place. So I can't sell you one, and no. none of the telcos can sell you one. Only what Apple. the Apple Store? Yeah. Only, no. Uh, I, no I, can, Apple, I can see where I we're going here. He's not listening. Can. He's yeah. not listening. And I think that it's time to say that uh, the... the one little, tiny little product this has been uh, uh, delivered uh, in the last 24 hours. In fact, it's actually a very cool product. Um, Apple has completely redesigned the Mac Mini uh, with okay. an HDMI output, um, up-spected, new Faster casing, processes. really, really cool. On that basis, That's probably I enough. think it's time to say goodnight, viewers, because we're, we're way over time. Folks, have a lovely time in Europe. And thank, thank you, Hardy. JP, you look after yourself and look after Absolutely. him, more to the point. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Now, don't run away yeah, after the show. We need to get your phone number and your per and your name and who you are and everything <laughs> so we can send out that little gift. You know how they do on the radio? 
Oh, finally, I'll get something out of this damn show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Take care, guys. I'll uh, be in touch while I'm overseas. You'll be, get, and, uh, you'll be getting fucked all, I tell you. We'll do it all again when I get back. And yeah. good luck with that book well, writing. Do we have to have him? <laughs> of course we, we have, have to have him. And, yep. here come your more words. You've just been listening to, or you've just missed, Radio Hot Lab. Folks, Radio Hot Folks. Didn't, didn't oh phones. my God! Oh, What's going on? Uh, uh, too much curio. Uh, said- <laughs> I'm being magnanimous. magnanimous. He, he, he's, he, he's had no love for a while. Look at the uh, colour of his hair. Has it got whiter? I know. Or is that just the light? It's just the light down there. It's just halo. <laughs> halo. Good night for me. <laughs>